rest then. But look at verse number one. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was praying, this is Christ, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive our sin, forgive us our sins, and for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Look at verse number five. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. He from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for a fish him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We sure are thankful this morning that it's under the blood. I'm thankful this morning that I've been redeemed, I've been purchased. Lord, you made a payment with your own precious blood for somebody like me. Lord, I don't earn it, I I don't deserve it. Lord, I'm not worthy of it, but I sure am glad for it this morning. It sure has made a difference in my life. I am not the man that I used to be. Lord, I didn't receive a greater education. Lord, you didn't give me greater ability. God, I I wasn't born with just a a better know-how. Lord, you simply saved my soul. You changed my life. I am a new creature. God, all those old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in my life. And Lord, I just want to go on record and say this morning, Lord, I am grateful for the new life that I have in Christ. Lord, I've yet to get over it. Lord, it's yet to get old to me, and I pray, Lord, that it never does. Lord, help me to never lose the joy of my salvation. Lord, help me never lose the excitement that I have in serving you. Lord, I want to say thank you for the privilege, God, you've bestowed in my life. Lord, that I get to preach the Bible, that I get to go to church, that I get to worship you, I get to live for you. I get to see the difference that it makes in my family. I get to see the difference that it makes in our church family. Lord, thank you, Lord, just allowing me to be used of you. I pray, Lord, this morning, God, and I ask you, Lord, one more time, Lord, would you use me one more time? Lord, help me just to be an instrument in the master's hand this morning. God, would you get me out of myself, fill me with the spirit of God? Would you help me to preach, God, like you desire me to preach this morning? I'm behind the cross of Calvary. And Lord, help me to give you the glory and the praise this morning because, Lord, you're the only one worthy. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen, very familiar portion of scripture. And really this morning, I've been looking in verses five and eight, just read the other ones for context. 
But oftentimes, uh, I, or I enjoy hanging out with people and being around people who have just recently been saved and they've yet to learn the religious lingo. And they try to describe things that God is either doing in their heart or God is doing in their life or things that they're excited about and, and they don't have the lingo down like you ever try to hear somebody explain the Holy Spirit working in their heart and they don't know what to say and they're, they're, they're at a loss of words. They're like, you know, it's just like, if, I don't know how to explain it, but I know God's doing something. And I absolutely love that. But Brother Brian Cannon was telling me last night when they left for the gym, or it might have been the night before that, when they left from the service uh, to the to the gym where we fellowship for a little bit, he said, there's a young man in his church named Carvey. And he said, Carvey, what'd you think about that service? And he said, preacher, I love it when a preacher yells at me. He said, I absolutely love it. He said, that preacher that was preaching, he got to yelling. He said, I was taking it all in and then he got quiet on us. He said, preacher, I was hoping that he'd keep yelling at me because I was enjoying it. And there's a few times last night where I went to calm down. I thought, I gotta help Carvey out. He enjoys it when a preacher yells at him. And so what he was trying to really say was, I'm thankful for an enthusiastic man of God who's not bored about the Bible, who's not bored about what God is doing in his life. Can I say it's high time we just get some Christians who aren't excited so much about politics, aren't so excited about sports, but they're excited about what Jesus Christ did for them and they're yet to get over it. But we come here in Luke chapter number 11 and the disciples see something that causes something inside of them to say, I want that. Look at verse number one. What do they see? They see the Lord praying. The Bible says, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, if he was in heaven, he said this way, Lord, that ain't how I pray. Lord, that's not what my prayers sound like. That, Lord, that is not what my prayer life looks like. Lord, would you teach us to pray? I'm thankful that Jesus didn't give him some religious lingo and look back at who, at whichever disciple it was and ask, Lord, teach us to pray. But rather, he didn't look at him and say, well, we'll make it a matter of prayer. You ever heard somebody say that? I, I understand what you're meaning. I understand what you're trying to say. I'm not trying to say you're a bad Christian if you say it, but can I say we don't ever say that anywhere else in life. Nowhere else do we ever say, well, we'll make it a matter of something. You come to me and you say, preacher, I'm hungry. I'm not gonna look at you and say, well, let's make that a matter of cooking. You come to me and you say, preacher, I'm bored. Well, let's make that a matter of activity. Preacher, I'm tired. Well, let's make that a matter of rest. Preacher, I'm thirsty. Well, that's just simply a matter of hydration. But somebody comes to us and they'll say, Preacher, or they'll come to you and say, Would you pray for me? Or this is going on in my life and we button up our suits and we fix our tie. We'll make that a matter of prayer. Knowing good and well, we're probably not going to pray about it. Knowing good and well that a lot of times when we tell people we're going to pray for it, it goes in one ear and out the other. A good habit to get into is when you say, I'm going to pray about that, don't do anything else until you do. I remember being in the cabinet shop and, and there was, there was I, I worked in the, uh, at the time I was working with uh, Brother Mike Andrews, we called him Pre Preacher Mike, and I worked with a man named Michael Samuels, we called him Mike Igo. And, and one day Mike Igo came into work and he was telling us what had taken place the night before. 
for and it involved cops and jail and all this kind of stuff. And he said, would you pray for me? Would y'all, would y'all fellas pray for me? And I said, oh, Mike, I'll pray for you. I'll definitely pray. I will make it a matter of prayer. Brother Mike Andrews said, well, come, come right here. We'll pray right now. I'd never seen anybody do that before. I said, I'm thinking, that's not, the, that's not the religious answer. That's not the right answer. You just say, I will make it a matter of prayer. I'll put it down in my prayer journal. Brother Mike, I mean, two grown men. Grown men. Brother Mike walks over there. He grabs Mike Iga's hand. And he says, take, grab his other hand. And we're grown men in a cabinet shop. They're going to make fun of us. <laughs> What'd you do, preacher? I grabbed his hand. <laughs> and I grabbed Brother Mike's hand. And we just began to pray. We prayed for brother. We prayed for Mike Ego. We prayed that God would help him. That God would uh, give him that which he was looking for. I remember taking away from that. I'd never seen that before, and it's always stuck with me that it doesn't really matter if I say I'm going to pray for it if I don't pray for it. But I want to take that phrase, a, a matter of prayer, and ask you this question: What's the matter with your prayer? What's the matter with your prayer life? I want to give you six things this morning as quick as I can that you and I need to remember because they came to the place in verse number one, they realized when I pray, it don't sound like how Jesus prays. It doesn't have the same emotion. It doesn't have the same uh, grit behind it, the same unction behind it. Uh, you ever been there and you know you're supposed to pray and, and you're not necessarily not saying it without desire or the want to, but you know it ain't where it's supposed to be. Let me ask you, what's the matter with your prayer life. Some things to remember when you feel like there's something a matter with your prayer life. Notice number one, we must remember that prayer is based on a friendly relationship. Look at verse number five. Jesus gives them the model prayer or what to pray, but then he takes us into verse number five and he gives us that illustration to draw it home to us and he tells us some, some reminders here in verses five through eight of what to do and what prayer is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. Verses two and through four is what it's supposed to sound like. Verse number five through eight tonight is what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to consist of. Verse number one, prayer is based on a friendly relationship. Look at verse number five. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three Loves. Can I say this morning, we, most of us have no problem talking to our friends. We have no issues talking to our, we can talk to them about anything and everything. We are open to them. We are honest with them. We are sincere with them. We feel like we can talk to them about anything. But can I say even the best friendships can sometimes become strained relationships. That strain isn't a normal thing. It's caused by an issue. It's caused by an unresolved problem. It's caused by something that needs to be dealt with. One that has come up amongst friends. And here's the thing. When you realize that there is an issue between you and your friend, either you can force the issue or try to force yourself through it without dealing with the issue, or you can fix the problem that is causing the strain. Last time I checked, the Bible still says that the Lord that the Lord is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
But can I say sometimes in our relationship with God, though we never lose our salvation, we can't get out of fellowship with him. Issues can arise in our life and we can try our best to go to him. Can I say tonight, if there's an issue that God has dealt with you, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's made it clear to you. You're not, I don't know what he's talking about, but you know exactly what he's talking about this morning. The best thing you can do is not try to force your way through it, pretend that it's not there, but rather get that resolved so that friendship, that relationship, that fellowship can be exactly where it's supposed to be because prayer is supposed to be based on a friendly relationship. Let me ask you this more. What issues are there between you and the Lord that is putting such a strain on your friendship you don't feel like you can go to him? You don't feel like you can talk to him like you once did. You don't feel like you can be open and honest with him like you once were. Prayer is based on a friendly relationship. Notice number two this morning. Prayer needs to have intercession. Look at verse number six. This friend has gone to another friend. Keep your friends straight this morning, all right? We got two friends. One has left his house and goes to another friend. Verse number six, we find out why. He said, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Friend number one goes to friend number two because friend number three has showed up and friend number one doesn't have anything but friend number two might. <laughs> But what we see here is what we call intercession. Preacher, what in the world does that big word mean? It means praying on behalf of another, interceding on somebody else's behalf, standing in somebody else's place, or standing for somebody else before another person. We see that prayer needs to have intercession. How many of us agree that sometimes our prayer list becomes selfish? It's just about me. I'm only going to pray for the things that I want or I desire. We only want God to answer our prayer, our prayer requests that benefit us personally. And here's the thing, when you get in that place in your prayer life where it's all about me, 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 you'll begin to get mad when God begins to answer their prayer request and it's not like yours are getting answered. But can I say it's easy to allow somebody else's prayer request to become your prayer request. How, preacher, start praying for them interceding on that prayer is to be an, an act of intercession on behalf of somebody else. Here's the thing, when you pray for others and God answers, it builds up your faith. You'll step over here and say, well, if God can do that for them, then I have no doubt that he can do it for me. I don't know where my book is over there on, on the, the, the table over there. We started taking those prayer requests down on Wednesday nights and we get up here and we pray for them and we, we pray for them specifically and I forgot what the number was and we took that break during summer of scriptures, but we're talking about multiple prayers have been answered in our church alone this morning. Can I I say that doesn't make me doubt God, but rather it makes me believe if God can do it for us one time, he can do it for us again. That's what the benefit of intercession is. When you pray for others and God answers, it builds your faith. The Lord can answer your prayers too. Let me ask you this morning, would you describe your prayer life as self-centered or one that is willing to intercede on the behalf of others? Let me ask you, who else did you pray for this week? Who else have you prayed for specifically this week? I think a lot of times we get in that rut. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord, for how much you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nothing wrong with that prayer request. There's nothing wrong with that prayer that was just prayed, but can I say if that's all that it consists of, we are missing the necessity of interceding one for another. 
Boy, could you imagine the, the fellowship that would gain here when you and I begin to pray one for another and we see God answer and we know I prayed for them and they've prayed for me. Prayer is based on a friendly relationship. Prayer needs to have intercession. Look at number three. Prayers need to be specific. Need to be specific. If you're educated in Richmond County, you could say your prayers need to be specific. Specific. Look at verse number five. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, I need something. Friend, help me. Friend, could you be a blessing? Friend, lend me three loaves. That's a rather specific request. Three loaves. Three loaves of bread. In my mind, I'm thinking, what man needs three loaves of bread at midnight? How many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are you making? You need three loaves of bread. Understand biblical times, that, that loaf of bread wasn't wrapped up in a white piece of plastic that said wonder bread. It was more than, more than likely a small, like in the essence of a roll, what we call it today. But notice here, he said, lend me three loaves. <laughs> lend me. Can I borrow three loaves? Anybody ever came to you? I was, I was reading across that study and that, and I got to chuckling because if someone ever came to you and said, hey, can I borrow some milk? Can I borrow a glass of milk? What do you need it for? I'm baking something. Can I borrow a glass of milk? I'll tell you what, you can have it. Because when you're done with it, I don't want it back. <laughs> it's yours. Here it is. Lend me three loaves of bread. It's a specific prayer request. Three loaves. He asked for... Notice this, he, he could have asked for general supplies. He could have went over there and said, friend, I need some help, can you help me? And that friend would have said, yeah, sure thing. Here's an extra blanket. Here's an extra pillow. Here's this, here's that. And he would have said, that's blessing, that's wonderful, but that's not what I need. He had a specific prayer request. Here's the thing, when you and I pray generally, oftentimes we miss the, prayer, the, the answered prayer because we're not looking for it. It's hard to see the generic answer. But can I say, when you begin to pray specifically for people, for problems, for issues, and God begins to answer them, you can step back and say, he heard my prayer request. Specific requests bring about specific answers. Could I can imagine this man said, friend, I need three loaves. And he comes to him and he said, all right, here is two cups of water. That's not what I asked for. That's, that's not what I need in my life. I need three loaves. Let me ask you, do you run through your general formalities when you pray? Or do you take the time to think about the specifics? See, a lot of times we pray about things generically. It's, I don't want to say we're leaving it up to chance, but it's like we are. We, 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 we're not specific with it. Lord, make it clear cut. Lord, make it so I cannot miss it. Lord, make it so somebody like me will not miss the answer. Be specific in your prayers. Right, be specific. It needs intercession. It needs a friendly relationship. Notice number four this morning. Prayer requires desperation. Look at verse number six. For a friend of mine is in his journey to come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Can I say sometimes in our spirituality we get judgmental, don't we? What you mean you knew he was coming? Why don't you get something ready? Can I say that I'm glad God is gracious? 
<laughs> There's been a lot of times in my life where the Lord could have simply left it at this. You should have known better. You should have known better. But can I say prayer requires desperation. What do you mean desperation, preacher? I got to sweat and I got to yell and I got to scream for God to hear me. No, I'm talking about the heart with which you pray. In essence, you are desperate for God to answer. Or you could say it this way. You cannot go any further. You cannot do anything else. You can't see a way out unless God answers. Unless God helps in that situation. It, here's the thing. It doesn't make no sense. Notice as he stated his condition. I ain't got nothing. He revealed his desperation. He didn't know what to do. I don't have anything. Oh, friend number two, friend number three is on his way. Friend number two, I need help. I, I don't have anything. He was desperate for it. I need it now. I need an answer now. Here's the thing. It doesn't make sense to go to the Lord if you plan on fixing it yourself anyways. I'm going to make it a matter of prayer. But I'm going to leave the answer up to myself. And I said, no, we need to learn to pray with desperation. I remember learning in Bible college when getting ready to preach and getting ready to uh, stand behind the pulpit and deliver God's word. We were taught to study like God wasn't going to help you and to pray like he's your only hope and he's your only help. Can I say that? That's not good advice, just good advice for the preacher behind the pulpit. That's good for every Christian. To live in such a way where you are, you are dependent and desperate for God to help you. Here's the thing, that's why I wrote it down, desperate people are dependent people. People who are in desperation are dependent upon somebody else. That's why if you ever have to go to the car dealership, the worst thing you could ever say is, I'm in desperate need of a vehicle. Because they're hearing high interest rates, high this, they're fixing to make bank on you. Listen, I will walk in there with nothing but shoes on my feet and act like, <laughs> Mr. Wagner, are you going to buy this cash or find it? Well, it depends on the price. All right, all right, Mr. Wagner, how bad do you need this car? Well, it depends if the deal's good enough. Can I say, I've learned sometimes you just gotta walk away. You just gotta walk away, but desperate people are dependent people. And can I say this morning, if it's not for God in our life, none of us would be here this morning. We're not here because we're smart. We're not here because we're better than somebody else. We're here because the grace of God made a difference in our life. And I'm dependent and I'm desperate for God. I can't do this without, I can't pastor a church. I can't, I can't run my, or raise my children. I can't love my wife. I can't be a Christian unless God is helping me. I need the spirit of God. I need the power of God. I need God's touch in my life. I'm desperate for it this morning. I ought to be desperate for God to answer our prayers. Here's the thing, the world takes advantage of desperate people and the Lord rewards desperate people. Those who are dependent upon him. Let me ask you, are your prayers given with the sound of routine or the sincerity of desperation. Prayer requires desperation. It needs to be specific. It needs to have intercession. It needs to be based off a friendly relationship. Number five, prayer is a matter of importunity. There's a word if you play it on the Scrabble board, you win. Verse number eight, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I heard it preached one time that this verse is saying, you annoy God until he gives you the answer. Can I say, I don't agree with that statement. Because I'm not looking to get my answer, I'm looking to get God's answer. My desire is not to change the mind of God or what God desires to me because every good and perfect gift 
comes from God. I'm not trying to change God's mind. I'm trying to get him to change mine. Help me to understand some things. But that word importunity means shamelessness, impudence, or without shame. What kind of friend acts without shame? One who desperately needs help. Now, since he didn't get the, the means of showing his friendliness, right? He didn't get it as a means of just merely being a friend, right? In essence, it was, if it was based solely on the friendship here, friend number two would have told friend number one, listen, my kids are in bed with me. He didn't read the right parenting books, did he, amen? <laughs> Those kids need to be by themselves. Can I say it's a wonderful thing when a youngin crawls up in your lap, amen? I'm grateful and I'm thankful for it. I don't want those days to end. And my kids are getting older. But notice here, friend number two would have said, friend number one, listen, I know we're friends, but I can't do it. I can't get out of bed. I'm going to wake up a youngin. And you know, once youngins wake up, they don't go back to sleep. But he did it because it's importunity. He did it because he had to have been in desperate need. Because if he could have done it himself, he'd have stayed home. He'd have baked the bread himself, got everything together, but he couldn't. But you got to think, that's a, it's a very, it's going to sound weird, but that's a very shameless thing to do. Get up at midnight, walk across town to your friend's house, knock on the door and say, I need help. I need help. In essence, he had a junket pride to do that. Because imagine what people, why was he out at midnight knocking on your door? What, what's wrong with him? I wonder how many times we don't ask God for something because we are allowed our pride to get in the way. I don't have to ask God about this. I can handle it. I'm good. I got it figured out. And I say we need to be important people this morning who are shameless, who realize I can't do anything without God. I'm not going to ask God for that because that would be admitting that I'm not as spiritual, strong, or as smart as I thought I was. Okay, but the Bible still says you have not because you ask not. What are you missing out on this morning from the Lord because you're too prideful to ask for it? Can I say men, we're, we're wired generally the same way. We hate to ask for help, don't we? I will go on a, a scavenger hunt, treasure hunt. I'm talking about later, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the grocery store before I ask anybody where something might be. Well, man, I'll, I will find where the sun-dried tomatoes are. I don't know what those things look like, but I'll find them. Whereas there's somebody who's been working there for so many years, they know exactly, matter of fact, they put on the shelf that morning. And all I got to do is walk to them and say, hey, where are the sun-dried tomatoes at? Aisle three, right down the middle, top shelf. You'll find a glass jar. Here's the brand. But no, I'll walk around. I'm talking about magnifying glass, phone out, GPS, sun-dried tomatoes. They've got to be in the produce oil. They've got to be, they got to be by the spaghetti. They, got to, they, they might be in the dairy section. Somebody might have made a mistake. All around, the, and I, wasting time, wasting time. And that's exactly what it looks like. On our, I got this. I can handle this. I'm good enough. I don't need no help. I'll be okay, Lord. It's fine. I got this. I got this. We've walked all around the place. We haven't accomplished one single thing. And I say sometimes we need to junk our pride and say, Lord, I need help. What are you missing out on from the Lord simply because you want to ask him for it? Then notice number six this morning. Prayer is rewarded. Verse number eight. I say unto you, that we will not rise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. He'll give him everything he needs. He won't short them. He won't leave them out. 
God, is, hey, God isn't playing games with us in heaven. He's not like a youngin' or he's not like you when you were a kid. You, you ever, kids ever catch you in your words? Oh, man, I love this cheeseburger. Why don't you marry it then? Or you ask for something you're not specific enough and they, they you know, I, I like some peanut butter. I like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so they bring out some peanut butter and jelly they put on a piece of paper and they fold it together. Here's your sandwich. Sorry, Dad, you weren't specific enough. You didn't say you wanted it on bread. My, my kids never done that to me. But I might do it to them. <laughs> In essence, he's not playing games with us. He's not going to say, oh, I was going to answer that prayer request. But when you prayed, your hands were not at a 45 degree angle. When you were knelt down, your knees were not at a 90 degree angle. Your head was not tilted in the right direction. You did not give me enough accolades when you said, dear Heavenly Father, the creator of all the world, magnificent, wonderful master of all, playing games with us. He said, if you'll come to me in desperation, you'll come to me sincerely, honestly, I'll give you what you need. You just have to come to me. That's why when he continues on with the, in verse, the rest of the chapter, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Verse number nine. That's what he was saying. If you do what I've told you to do, and you do it with the right heart, the right spirit, I will give you, I will answer the prayer that you've been praying. And uh, Brother Jamie got act surprised when I share this. If you go down to verse number 11, and said, if a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? If you ask him a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you ask for an egg, will he give him a scorpion, is what it goes on to say. I was reading a book, and it's called uh, Inside of the Customs and Times of Biblical Days. And the author was talking about this portion of Scripture, and he said, what an odd question for the Lord to ask. If a, if a son asks his father for a, a piece of bread for bread, would he give him a stone? See, our modern day envisioning of bread is that had to be one big stone. But in Bible days, you couldn't go down to the grocery store and, and, and buy Wonder Bread. You couldn't go down there and buy Captain Durst's yellow bread that you put tomatoes and mayonnaise and salt and pepper on and it's delicious. You couldn't do that. Bible days, they would take small loaves, small things of, of, of uh, dough and they would place them into a, a kiln, to an earthen oven and the, and the ash and the flame would, would cook that bread and, and when that ash mixed in sometimes it would, that bread would come out speckled and it would be a size that if you were to take that same loaf of bread and put it in a pile of round rocks, sometimes you couldn't tell the difference. They were nearly identical. What Jesus was trying to teach us here is that when God gives you the answer, he will never give you something that looks like the answer, but it's not. He always gives you the right answer. He always gives you what you need. Your prayer is rewarded with the answer that you need. I'm glad God doesn't make mistakes. I'm glad God didn't say, oh, I didn't mean to give that to you. Sorry, let me take that back from you real quick. But when he gives you the answer, it is exactly what you need. It is not a stone pretending to be bread, but it is the bread that you need for the solution. The promise in verse 11 and 12, God is the only one that gives the real answer to your prayer. He doesn't give ones that look similar 
but aren't. He always gives the right answer. Let me ask you this more. Are you content with having stuff or having uh, stuff, a ma- stuff that is a matter with your prayer life and things you're missing out and you're missing out on the reward of prayer this morning? Are you content with having issues in your prayer life or this morning you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to get those things right because I want the reward of a real prayer life. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, well, let me ask you, what's the matter with your prayer life? What's the matter with it? And here's how to fix this one. Every